this service, I got from the Lord, Psalm 139, and it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. And when I read that, I thought, how awesome is it that our God already knows our thoughts before we think them, that our God goes before us and behind us and is all around us, and that our God is here in this place this morning and wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Not only just is He here with the crowd of people, but He's here and wants to be here with you personally and meet your needs. So as we enter into worship again this morning, I just encourage you to step into that knowing that your God is for you and not against you, and that He wants to be here for you personally.
that you love him. Come on. Lord, we thank you this morning. Yeah, come on. Make some noise for the Lord this morning. Lord, we lift you up. Lord, we lift up our hearts to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name. If you believe that there is power in the name of Jesus, oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, to break every chain, break every chain, break every power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there's nothing more powerful than someone committing their life to Christ. Amen. The blood of Jesus still atones for our sins. And if you want to just extend your hand, we have Miss Karen is getting baptized this morning. And we're so proud of you. And she's just dedicated her heart to Christ. She's acting in obedience. And we're believing that God has a beautiful future for your life. Amen. a little cold. Let's extend a hand. Lord, we thank you for caring. We thank you that you love her. We thank you that you have a great plan for her life, Lord. And right now we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, be baptized. Be filled. 
Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? He is so good. Amen. We are going to go back into worship. But we're going to have a time of ministry. And I want you to understand that there is power in the name of Jesus. That there is power to break off everything in your life that keeps you back from running hard after God and fulfilling God's call and destiny on your life. And there are people here this morning who are struggling with sins, struggling with old habits, that are struggling with issues in your marriage, in your finances. There has been some cycles that have just been in your life that have just continued and continued. And this morning, God is saying there's power in His name. And when two of you agree in His name, touching anything on this earth, then it will be done. And so we're going to call our prayer team up front this morning. And I want to encourage you, come forward and receive prayer this morning because there's power in His name. Break those things off. Don't hold on to them any longer. Don't continue the way things are going any longer, but walk in freedom. So as we continue to worship, I invite you to come down and receive prayer.
Cause your name is higher Your name is greater And all my hope is in you Your word is unfailing Your promise is unshaken And all my that up this morning. We We sing it out to you, God. Your name is
voice for the Lord this morning, Lord. We love you. We lift you up. God, we say that you're worthy. Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Man, we just want you to greet a couple people around you. Make your way back to your seats this morning. So glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through small groups, classes, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the connect room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between our Sunday morning services. Also, the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you're here, and we hope that you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Join us this summer for our Wednesday night services. We have a great meal from 5.15 to 6.15, then prayer from 6.30 till the start of our service at 7. We will continue with our equip classes through the summer, and in the sanctuary will be worship and a video series with Jimmy Evans about the end times called The Tipping Point. God in His mercy has given us prophecy to tell us what's about to happen. And we can comfort ourselves. Say, I've got five grandchildren. I don't want them growing up in this world. I really don't. And I'm so glad they're not going to have to. I'm glad that Jesus can. I'm not an escapist. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just into reality. And that is, this world is at a tipping point. It's getting worse and worse. And the answer is not politicians or government. The answer is the return of Jesus Christ. Join us. And as always, there will be great ministry for our children upstairs and for our junior high and high school at Powerhouse. Our new fall semester starts in August, and now is the time for leaders to sign up and fill out applications for our ministry guide. Pick up an application in the Connect Room or foyer. If you are considering leading a group for the first time, just pick up an application and talk with Pastor Mike or Sharon Ulmer. There's a list of DVDs and other suggestions for material to lead a small group that comes with the application. Amen. Welcome to Church on the Rock. How are you doing today? Good. I'm telling you, is there a better place that you would be on Sunday morning than here? Come on. I mean, this is a place to be, man. Good to see you. You're looking good. Uh, you've been hearing about it for the last few months, but this fall we are starting the SUM School of Ministry and uh, Seminary. It's a fully accredited Bible college. There's an uh, info booth in the for you, but I'm telling you, it's been Pastor John's vision for years that at this church we would train up, equip, and send out the next generation of leaders. And I'm telling you, if it's in your heart to... Uh, 
be called to the ministry, to know more about the Bible, to have a Bible education, this is your opportunity to do it. It's here at the church. Uh, like I said, uh, it's fast for accredited. There's grants. There's different things. But you can sign up in the foyer. We would love to have you be a part of this. Also be praying about it. We have several applicants that have already applied, and we're believing that this year God's going to do great things to this ministry, right? Um, the next thing, you just saw a video, but the lifeblood of our church is our small groups. And if you want to lead a small group, lead a Bible school or lead a, uh, a Bible study, uh, a small group, man, this is your opportunity to do it. If you want to lead, there's some applications in the foyer. And listen, this is kind of how we do things at Church on the Rock. If you're connected here, if you're a member here, if you're submitted to the vision of the church and Pastor John, you can lead a group. It doesn't matter if it's just watching a DVD and having some friends around and talking about it afterwards. It can be an activity group where you go bowling once a month or you go eat every day. I don't know. Whatever you feel called to do, you can do it. There's not just one way to do a small group. There's a lot of different ways. Listen, in the culture that we live in, it's so easy just to isolate yourself. This is an opportunity for us to come together with people in the community and just talk about Jesus. I'm telling you, we do not want to do life alone. Amen? You don't want to do life alone. This is kind of a big crowd, especially this service, next service. This is an opportunity to have a smaller group of people talk about Jesus and get closer to God, right? So pick up an application. We would love for you to be a part uh, of our ministry guide this coming fall. And just to kind of brag about a few of our leaders, Artie and his wife Karen are doing some amazing things right now with the homeless ministry. We have some pictures that we can throw those up here. Um, right now, Artie and his wife, they're serving uh, at Church Under the Bridge, and they saw a need. Listen, every single one of us in here, we see needs every single day. Needs in our family, needs in our friends, needs at work. And what I love about what Karen and Artie have done is they saw a need even at another ministry at Church Under the Bridge. And he said, no, you know what? We can do even more. So once a month, what they're doing is they're rounding up uh, some homeless people. They're washing their clothes. They have a ministry to moms that are single. And they just go out of their way to love on them and bless on them. That's what God's calling us to do in the community. Listen, if you see a burden for something, maybe God wants you to jump in and step up and, and be a part of the solution, right? Um, and this kind of leads into a scripture that I've, I've been thinking about this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. And it says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And later in verse 40, Jesus also says this, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Listen, when we bless people, when we go out of our way, when we leave ministries, when we buy somebody's lunch, when we wash people's clothes, listen, we are blessing that person. There's no doubt about it. But the biggest person we bless when we go out of our way is Jesus. Everything that we do is to honor him. Everything that we do is to bless him. And I want to challenge us as we go about this week, let's be people that give. Let's be givers. Let's be givers of our time. Let's be tithers. Let's be givers of our, our gifts and talents that God has given us. Listen, we serve a, we, we go to a church that's all about empowering the community. It's all about blessing others. And what I love about these pictures, and there's countless others that we could show of other ministries in this church, but this church turns our money into ministry. And I'm telling you, that's what Jesus is coming back for. He's coming back for a church, and we get to be a part of building the church and the kingdom of God in this city. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you see us, you know us. Lord, I pray that we would be givers with everything that we have. God, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Tell the Lord just a minute we love Him. Now, now listen, before you do it, I was raised in church, but we never did anything. I, I can't remember telling God that I loved Him. I went to church, we sang a couple songs and listened to a preacher, but I didn't understand as a boy that my Heavenly Father wants a personal relationship with me. That it's not just the sweet by and by or the far away, but God wants to be real to me each day. Could we just tell Him just a minute and just say, Lord, I love you. Just close your eyes and shut your friends out just a moment and say, Lord, I love you. And I just want to say thank you that you love me. I just want to say thank you today that you didn't throw me away when I was messing up. And in my worst moments of life, Lord, you still love me and you're reaching out to me. And I just receive of your goodness today and of your presence. I want you to just pray a minute and say, Lord, would you just wash away, Lord, my, the fears that I grapple with, the anxieties, the worries, the, that sense that I'm all alone in life, would you just wash it away? Wash away my guilt and shame because of Christ's forgiveness. And Lord, I just pray that you just help me become the person that you've created me to be. We just welcome you today. I want you to pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through the Word of God today. As we open the Bible, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to us as an individual. And it's almost like the preacher's not even here. It's just like God is speaking to me. And we believe for this today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they're looking good today. And you may be seated. 
Hey, I want to encourage you, if you happen to have a young child with you this morning, I would encourage you to maybe just slip out with them for just a minute. I'm going to show a video in a, a second or two. could be just a little scary for them. And if you're an adult and you get scared, you just close your eyes and go, la, 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 la. No, seriously. I'm doing a, a series called Problems and Promises. Can you say that with me? Problems and Promises. Anybody got any problems in life? Yeah, if you're just in this world, you have problems. Well, I've kind of used a struggle that I had. I had a health struggle for a number of months, and I'm kind of using that as a launch pad because I learned a lot of things about how to allow God to come and be a part of our struggles and our problems and how to find God's strength and how to find hope when you're feeling a little hopeless. And I think this is really going to help you. The key scripture that we've used is in 1 Peter chapter 5. I remember I was reading this, and on, uh, it was April 15th in our Bible guide. I remember it very clearly. I was having a terrible struggle. I had had a chemical imbalance that I still struggle with at some level, not near as bad as it was, but it, it was producing anxiety for just literally no reason in my life. I mean, just out of the blue, it would just overwhelm me. It might last for hours. It might last for days, and it was literally just stopping me in my tracks. The most difficult thing I faced in my adult life and this scripture that morning that I read is the heart of my series, but I want to just look at a couple verses of it. It was about six verses, but it was a couple that really caught my eye. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he, he cares for you. Now, I'd read that thing dozens of times in my life, but it was that, when I read it that day, it was like the first time that I realized that in the midst of the struggles that I was having, that somehow I could experience God's supernatural power and God could see me through that thing. And that brought great comfort to me to know that in the midst of my struggle, God still cares. Can I say it again? In the midst of our struggles, God still cares. And somehow there's a sense that, you know, if God cares about me and if he loves me and all these things, that I won't have any problems. Well, listen, not true. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have some trouble, but we want to walk with God through our troubles. Now, it's the next verse that I'm going to focus on this morning. It's verse 8. He said, be sober-minded and be watchful. In other words, be alert because your adversary, yeah, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, the Bible says, firm in your faith. Now, when I read that scripture that morning, I realized that what began in me as a physical problem, a physiological problem, spilled over into my emotions and my feelings, and uh, feelings that I had never felt before, feelings of hopelessness, hopelessness, feelings of being out of control, just feelings of fear began to grip me. And then I realized what was a physical problem affected me emotionally, but then it became a spiritual problem, because how many know through the gates of fear, Satan can come in and control your life? I mean, he can literally shut you down. So our struggles can have physical, emotional, and spiritual dimensions to them. And it's that spiritual struggle that I want to speak about this morning, about this attack, this fight we have against an unseen enemy. And I've entitled the message, Fighting an Unseen Enemy. And I want to start with a little video to kind of warm you up to the idea here. And then we'll be uh, on with our, our message this morning. There are many nights like this night, yet none are the same as this in cities, towns, and villages across the world. People are droning through the ever-depleting days of their lives. Some have mindset to family. Some are such troubles or desires 
Yet most are unaware of those that walk among us. They are the unseen. They live in a world between our world. They walk our streets, enter our homes, influence our thoughts. They are the unseen. Constantly searching for the weak of will, for the open door. They prey upon fear in the absence of faith. These creatures of darkness exist only to still, kill, and destroy. They are ravenous, feeding upon the base nature of man, perverting his desires and bending him to the path of the evil one. Their methods are ever-changing, evolving, with some they gently whisper their evil in the still of the night. They stand, head on, facing others, screaming madness they cannot be ignored. They know us. They observe us. In the quiet when we think we're alone. They've learned our strength so they can target our weaknesses. For an eternity, they are prepared. They never stop working. They never grow weary. Of all the lies they have told, the most terrifying is the idea that they do not exist. We must open our eyes. We have to realize that we are not alone. Yet to fully understand the realm of the unseen, you must be allowed a glimpse into their world. You must learn to suspend your disbelief and look beyond the surface to what the eye does not see. When we talk about the supernatural, when we talk about demons, when we talk about the devil, when we talk about angels, when we talk about God, there's two polarizing points in America. One is a very skeptical point. It's the world of the secularist that we have been schooled in in the last 40, 50 years in America. And it says that there is no such thing as the supernatural. There's no such thing as demons. There's no such thing as angels. That kind of mystical stuff was for an age when we were uninformed or uneducated, but we understand different today. There's a skepticism that surrounds it, but there's also a hunger for the supernatural. And as a Christian, it's a good thing to hunger for God, but sometimes people can innocently open doors to the supernatural. I believe if you, horror movies or, or, or The Walking Dead or zombies or that kind of whole world that's out there right now, I would highly discourage Christians from watching and pursuing movies like that because, because the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but what? But of power, love, and of a sound mind. So why would I want to veil myself to something that could have a spiritual influence that could work at controlling me? But for you that are skeptics, I want to start here this morning because I want to look at just a quickly a half a dozen scriptures just to show you what the Bible says about the influence of Satan and his demonic horde. Revelation chapter 2 verse 10, it says, don't fear what you're about to suffer, talking to Christians. Behold the... Yeah, see when I do this, it's not because I'm scratching my ear. I want you to kind of say what the scripture says. Behold the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. And he goes on to say some will be killed or martyred. Now, how does the devil do that? Do you think one of those, you know, figures, you know, like the zombie just comes up and goes, oh, no. He somehow influences a person, a person in power, a person of influence, and he causes them to arrest the Christian and throw them in jail simply because they're a Christian. Somehow Satan manipulated the situation and he caused persecution to come to our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Luke 13, verse 16. It's about a woman who for 18 years of her life had a physical affliction, a sickness. And the Bible says in Luke 13, 
Jesus said, ought not this woman whom Satan has bound for 18 years. And there was some kind of physical infirmity that she couldn't bend over, she couldn't straighten up. And the Bible says in this particular case, it was a direct influence of Satan's attack. Now, let's be very clear. There was no sickness in the Garden of Eden before the fall. There'll be no sickness in heaven. So somehow Satan is behind all sickness. Could you agree with me? Sometimes the sins of people open the door and God would even allow sickness to be a judgment. But not all sickness is a judgment. Satan oftentimes, well, Satan can get behind this thing and affect us physically. So I want you to see that in this passage, Jesus said Satan was involved in causing someone to have a sickness. I wonder what it looked like on the MRI. Had you taken a CT scan of this woman, I wonder what you would have seen. I wonder what the x-ray would have shown. See, we live in a world today and we feel we, uh, anything science can explore or explain to us, we just assume that there is no supernatural element to it. But I suggest whatever went on in her, whether physically, whether it could or could not have been seen, that there was a spiritual influence behind it. Luke 22, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Now, you may not know what that means, but for them to sift wheat, literally they didn't have combines to shell out the grain. They would cut the stalks of grain. They'd bring it to a threshing floor. It would be run over by animals. It would be thrown up in the air. It would be beaten until the chaff and separated from the grain. And Jesus said, Satan wants to do that to you. Satan wants to do that to you. He wants to harass you. John 13, this is about Judas Iscariot. After Judas had taken the morsel, at the Last Supper, the Bible says, Satan entered into him, and Jesus said, what you're going to do, go quickly. And he went out, and he betrayed Christ for money. Is it possible if Satan or some demon entered Judas that it could happen to me? Is it possible that the influence that caused Judas to betray Christ could similarly try to influence me? Now, this is what we're talking about today. Uh, Luke, uh, Acts chapter 5, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now we see him manipulating. You know the story, he had sold some property and, 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 and he was going to give it to help needy people. But somehow in this, Satan prompted him to lie. Now, this was about his thought life. Now, next week, that's what I'm going to talk about. How many of the Bible says, take every thought captive? My greatest struggle was not just the physical struggle. My greatest struggle in this issue I dealt with was the mental struggle. Next week, I want to talk to you about the necessity and how to take thoughts captive in your life. But, but somehow, Satan influenced. Now, first, last one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul said, I wanted to come see you, I, Paul, again and again. In other words, many times I wanted to come and help you guys, but what did it say? Satan hindered us. So here we see him somehow controlling circumstances, whether, you know, the airplane flight was affected or, or whether the, the cell phone coverage wouldn't work so he couldn't call them. You understand, somehow in the practical, natural world, just stuff was going on, and the Bible says Satan was behind it. So in these few passages, the Bible teaches us that Satan can make us sick, he can control us, he can manipulate us, he can cause persecution, even death for the believer, he can harass us, he can control Control circumstances, but the question is, how do we respond to his attack? 
Do I just lay there? Do I just take it? Do I just wait and hopefully it'll be over? Uh, do I end my life when I can't stand it? No, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, we read it a moment ago. It says we are to resist him. Everybody say it again. Resist him. Resist him firm in the faith. If someone, if you open the door, let's say someone knocks on your door and, and you look through it and, 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 and you kind of see who it is and you got it chained and you open the door a little bit and, and you say, well, what do you want? And all of a sudden they start pushing against your door. What is your natural response? You're going to lean into that door. You know, you're going to lock it and then you're going to pull your concealed carry and you're going to say, I'm afraid for my life. You understand what I'm talking about? But what you're going to do, your first response is, is to protect yourself and protect your family. That's exactly what the Bible is saying that we're to do when Satan attacks us. Now, how do you do it? Do, do you call the exorcists? Uh, Mexico, literally, Catholic Church recently uh, had priests that were there and they endeavored to exorcise the whole city. Uh, and I read an article even this week, and it was in a secular press. It said, does America need to have a mass exorcism? Well, how many could say, yeah, I think we do. But how many know it doesn't do any good if you're not going to resist, come on, when he is influencing your life? So what I'm talking about this morning is not something that's spooky, not something that's weird, mystical, not something that's marginalized, but it's something that's in the core of the Bible that deals with a spiritual reality. It's as if the world that I can see with my natural eye, that it's almost as if, it, if, if, if there was a zipper and I could unzip it and I could see into the spiritual world I could see the demonic activity that was happening. So here's the question that's going to uh, contain the balance of the message. How do we resist him? How do we fight an enemy we can't see? Now, I'm going to spend the rest of my time in Ephesians chapter 6. You know, it's a passage that talks about armor. It talks about, it talks about the, the sword and the shield of faith. Let me kind of summarize it for you this way. I want you to imagine as we look in this passage is the armor talks about truth, righteousness, and salvation. Can you say that with me? Truth for your belt, righteousness to cover your, 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 your heart, and the helmet of salvation. We're going to talk about our mission, which is the gospel of peace, which is sharing our faith. Somehow you'll see in this passage being on a mission from God helps you walk out of your troubles. We'll see that we activate God's power by faith, it's a shield, and we fight back with God's word and prayer. Let me say it again to summarize these passages. Our armor protects us is truth, righteousness, and salvation. Our, where life is on a mission, we're going somewhere for Christ, we're walking out of our troubles, we activate by faith the shield of faith, we activate God's power, and we fight back with God's word and prayer. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read about three verses. My presentation will be a little different this morning, my style, because we're going to go back and look at each verse and even some of the words because I really want you to get hold of this. The notes are already out on the Internet. If you ever bring your iPad to church, you could follow along with me. But let's read Ephesians 6 verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord, and then it says it again, in the strength of His might. So what he's saying is he sets up this whole passage is there's a supernatural power that's not dependent on how loud you pray. It's not dependent on how emotional or boisterous you may be, but it is a supernatural thing when God's power is made available to us. And then he tells us how to tap into this power. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Now imagine the Roman soldier. Roman soldiers were everywhere in their day. It's like a policeman in our day. 
The policeman, for example, if you walk by our deputy this morning, and tragically you have to have deputies in church in America today because of the crazies, but he's got on a bulletproof vest. When he got on to work yesterday, he, he popped one of his buttons, and he said, yeah, I've got a zipper here. And but, 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 but he, and then he's got this belt, and he's got handcuffs, and he's got extra bullets, and he's got you know a stick, and he's got mace. Well, the same way the Roman soldier was clothed with armor, Put on this armor, but it's armor of God, so you may stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, it talks about the enemy now. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, this word wrestle is the only time it's used in the New Testament, and it implies an up-close warfare. I mean, know when Satan attacks, it's not lobbing scud missiles or sending out drones. It's up close, it's personal, it gets in your face, it can affect you physically, it can affect you emotionally, and it can certainly affect you spiritually. And then he kind of lists this demonic uh, influence. We're not fighting against people, but we're fighting against the rulers. Now, these are demonic uh, in, uh, entities. We're fighting against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. The cosmic powers over this present darkness. The book of Ephesians, Paul says Satan is the God, little g, God of this world. Adam and Eve gave Satan control of the world, and he has some level of control in it, and these demons serve with him. But we're wrestling against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now let's go back and think about some of these terms. Verse 10, that we're to respond in the strength of his might, which is literally God's power that enables us to overcome evil in spiritual warfare. Let me say it again. God's might is God's ability to help us overcome evil in spiritual warfare. And that's what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about an active engagement, not a passive resistance, but an active engagement where God can bring us victory, but it's from God's strength, not our own. Now, verse 11, when it talks about the armor of God and we're to put it on... This is kind of interesting because Paul didn't tell us how to do it. So how do you put on your armor? Well, this word put on, it means like, like you're putting on your clothes. So as we go through the armor of protection about truth, about righteousness and salvation, somehow we want to put these things on and we'll, we'll talk about that. But as we put it on, one thing I know as we put on this armor, it is deliberate and it's an act of faith. For example, this morning when I, when I got to church and I, I got here early and I was praying in the altar and I said, Lord, I want to thank you that today I'm wearing the belt of truth, that I know the difference between right and wrong, that you have called me in the right path and not the wrong path. I thank you today that I'm covered, my breastplate of righteousness, that I have the righteousness of God in Christ, that I don't come before you in my own strength or righteousness, but I'm coming because of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that that I want to do righteous acts to close any door that Satan can use to enter in my life. I thank you that I'm wearing the helmet of salvation today. Lord, I, the word salvation, it means deliverance. I thank you that you're delivering me from struggles in this life that I'm in today, and eternally you're going to deliver me on judgment day. That was a part of my prayer this morning, and that's the best way I can tell you. It is an awareness, it is a consciousness, it is a deliberateness to establish ourselves as we are united with one in Christ. But we put on this armor to fight against evil. Now, the phrase where it says we're fighting against the schemes of the devil, schemes are, are, are tactics, they're strategies, they're methods. It's ways that he gets us. Satan knows where your weakness is. He continues to harass me now through this whole, uh, the subconscious part of this anxiety thing. I might feel a twinge or, or whatever. Uh, listen, I've had some terrible experiences. 
Because the anxiety attack often, often doesn't happen in the middle of the trouble. I've been at a restaurant after whatever the experience was over, winding down and passed out. Go to the doctor and the doctor says, you're fine. Your heart's fine. Your brain's fine. Everything's working good. But something happens. Well, then that's in the back of your mind and your subconscious and Satan is always there to push. Maybe for you it's anger. And he knows if he can just get you to blow up, you'll do something and you'll end up in jail. You who are leading a Bible study, come on. All you have to do is get mad at somebody, throw a fit, and the police show up and you're on the newspaper and your credibility's gone down the tube. Is it possible? That's a satanic strategy. You that struggle with lust, how many know it's constantly coming your way? You're seeing people in church. You turn on your computer and all of a sudden there it appears and something pulls you. This is how the devil is working. This is his schemes, his strategies. Uh, we, we, we see it uh, uh, around us. Now look at verse 12. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not just the people that are doing the bad things, but there's a spirit controlling them. How about ISIS beheading Christians? This religion of peace. And they... March out, Christians wearing orange, these orange jumpsuits on the beach, and they cut their heads off. It happens all the And it's almost as if our, 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 uh, the, the, the media goes, la, 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 la. It's not happening. It's not happening. La, 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 la. And they're killing Christians around the world, and the movement is over to, uh, all around the world. It's spreading like wildfire, and it's almost as if we're, we're, we're blind to it, even in America. Where a young man who, who, who has an Arabic name travels back and forth to the Middle East, goes on a military base where they're not allowed to carry guns, go figure. And then he kills people in Tennessee just a few days ago. And our government almost bends over backwards to say it has anything to do with Islam. When at the same time, the jihadists are giving fatwas around the world and encouraging their followers to kill, to kill the infidels anywhere they go. Is it possible there's something demonic behind all this? How about Planned Parenthood? This week they were caught because they're selling baby parts. A partial birth abortion and they take these baby parts and they do research. They sell them for clone, whatever they're doing with, the, with, 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 the, with the, the matter of this child that's, whose life's been taken. And it was caught and all they could say was they apologized for their tone. Think of the barbarism in a partial birth abortion where a baby, literally, the delivery stops with the child still in its mother's womb, the head still in its mother's womb. And a doctor takes that child's life. They take scissors and stick it in the back of the skull and they suck out the brain. Imagine the barbarism and now people are making money off this. Do you think that could have some demonic thing behind it? Didn't, didn't Pharaoh want to kill all the children of his day? Didn't when Jesus was born, Herod have all the children in an area killed? Is it possible that there's some demonic thing behind this? How about when the Supreme Court makes decisions that fly in the face of everything reasonable, rational, traditional, biblical? So I wonder why that happened. Is it possible that we're not dealing with flesh and blood, but spirits are influencing people? Let's look at verse 13. So with this background, he says for the second time, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to Withstand, now think about the word, in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. stand firm. And then what does he say again in verse 14? Stand. So the picture here is not an instant prayer and the devil goes away. 
But the prayer is, I stand as long as there's an assault and attack. And the object is not just to quickly get over it, though we always hope we do, but the object is to be standing no matter what happens. Stand, 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 having fastened on, and then he'll start listing these, listing these things, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, as the same way that you put on shoes, you put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, that's somewhat of an awkward sentence, but we'll, we'll talk about that. So, so let's, let's go back to look at this. Uh, again, take up your armor. Second times, put on this spiritual armor. It's like it, the more important something is, how many know the more you repeat it? And you could repeat it to your kids 50 times. But the more something is important to you, the more you tell people about it. And now for the second time, put on your armor. Take this armor. And the evil day is when evil strikes. How I many know sometimes evil strike can be once, but sometimes evil can be like rain. And it can just strike. So whenever the strike comes, make sure you're clothed in your armor. Your goal is to stand. This word stand, it means to resist, to hold your ground. Don't retreat when you're attacked. Now that's exactly. Stand sometimes as a Christian, you get knocked down, but you rise up. I fought these anxiety attacks for, for months. I'm telling you, the only time I could find peace was when I was asleep. I couldn't wait to go to bed at night. I'd sleep good. And I wouldn't have dreams and all that was protected and safe. But I wouldn't want to get up in the morning because when I would wake up, my mind would be assaulted. And there was a period of time I felt helpless to control what was going on in my mind. I will help you with that next week and share with you what I learned. I think one reason God let me go through this is so I could help and strengthen other people. Isn't that what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the same comfort. I, he said it was so bad I thought I would die, but this happened so I wouldn't depend on myself but on God. And the same comfort I received, I'm going to comfort other people. So you can redeem Satan's attack by turning evil into good. Come on, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. All things are not good, but all things work together. And, some, and it was just all I could do sometimes was just to hang on and not quit and not give up. And the problem was I couldn't find a safe place. I, you say, well, why don't you just go home, put your feet up? That wouldn't do any good because when I got quiet, it would be worse, the mental assault. We'll talk more about this. Um, before a Roman soldier put on his armor, now let's look at some of the specifics. He put on his belt. In other words, if he had a tunic on, he put his tunic. But then he put his belt on. Imagine the policeman's belt. It was the, on the Roman soldiers, everything was attached to this belt. Somehow it, it held up what girded his legs. It somehow positioned uh, uh, the breastplate. Uh, his weapons fit on this belt. Well, it's the first uh, defensive weapon that we're to put on, and it's called the belt of truth. Now, how many know John 17? John 17, Jesus said that your word is... He's talking to the Father, and he's saying the word of God is truth. In other words, the truth shows us what to believe. The truth not only shows us what is right and wrong, the truth shows us which way to go. And how many know sometimes our feelings get so strong that we don't know the difference between what we should and what we shouldn't do? When I was in the midst of my greatest struggle... It was as if Satan would telling me, I'll never preach again. You'll never come back to your pulpit. I took several months off. You'll never go back again. It felt real because during those days I told Linnell I could not go back. I could not go and open the Bible and talk to people today. But the truth said, 1 Peter 5.10, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, come on, say it with me, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. 
So in the middle of the attack, I was reading my Bible on April 15th, and this word jumped up inside my heart, and now I knew what truth was and the difference between the lie, and I put on that belt of truth whether I felt it or not. I'm preaching better than you're amening today. See, some of you read your Bible for information, which is not a bad thing. But listen, sometimes you read your Bible because there's a desperation about your life. You need God to speak to you. You need a trump card to play because the enemy has got kings and queens and jacks. You need the ace. And let me know God's got a lot of aces up his sleeves, and it's not unfair. Come on, it's just the way he gets to deal the cards. The breastplate of righteousness. What does this mean? How do I put on a breastplate of righteousness? I mean, for the Roman soldier, it was, it was leather. It was metal. It covered their chest off and their back to protect them. Well, and, and, but Paul doesn't tell us what it is, and he doesn't tell us how to put it on. What we do know about righteousness, and I suggest there's two applications for this. One is the righteousness we have is not from our good works. It is the righteousness of God in Christ that has been imputed or imparted or given to us when we receive God's salvation. God declares us righteous because Christ has been the propitiation, the mercy seat, the payment for our sin. So when I approach God, I don't have to approach as a shriveling sinner. Come on. I can come before him as a son who's been redeemed and bought by God. That is what protects me. God himself protects me. But from the righteousness of Christ flows righteousness out of my life. It flows good acts. It flows character. It flows integrity. And as I'm doing good things, I stay off the evil path, and there's almost a shield that's built in my life. The psalmist knew this, Psalm 112. It said, for the righteous will never be moved. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. And in this shield of righteousness, isn't that what Job wore? Because God saw him in Job 1.1. He was blameless and upright. He feared God. He turned away from evil. Satan attacked him, but God restored him and gave him twice as much of the end as the beginning. See, so perhaps is this righteousness we put on is what Christ has done and then our living for him. Now, verse 15, the awkward sentence about your shoes and the gospel, this idea of readiness to announce the good news is like your shoes. Well, how many know whenever you go out of the house, you put your shoes on? Now, your kids may not do that. And, and if you're free-spirited, you may not do it all the time. But you step on some stickers or some thorns or some rocks, come on now, or some hot concrete or some hot sidewalk, and you're going to be jumping going, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, I got tender feet because I'm used to wearing shoes. And you put your shoes on when you're going somewhere. Well, why in the world did he attach the gospel of peace to shoes that are ready to move? Is it possible because that you and I are supposed to always be on mission from God? That we're always supposed to be sharing our faith, ministering to people, serving people, letting our light shine, passing out information, giving tracts, going to a restaurant, inviting a waitress, whatever we do, we've got shoes on. And is it just possible that these shoes are what God uses to move us out of the struggle? Come on. Is it just possible that if we take your shoes off and put your feet up and stay home and in bed, Satan's going to defeat you? But as you're serving the Lord, God's going to help you walk out of trouble because you're on a mission from God? I think so. Let's read further, verse 16. In all circumstances, and that's big, take up the shield of faith. Now, this shield, it's two and a half feet wide. It's four foot long. It's made out of wood. 
It's covered with leather, and before they go out to fight, they dip it in water. Now, here's why. Take the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Everything Satan shoots at you, faith can somehow put a stop to that thing. It can stop it in its tracks. It doesn't have to control you. It can take, take, uh, take uh, uh, authority over the lies. Uh, take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's explore these a bit. The, again, this shield would cover the fire-tip darts of the enemy. Anything Satan shoots at you, faith is right there. And whenever you go in battle, you've got the shield in front of you. If you've seen some of the, some of the movies uh, that are out, when the, either the Roman soldiers or it could be a lot of the ancient armies, but when they would begin to be attacked and arrows would come, they'd get down on their knee, they'd put their shield this way, the guy behind them would put his shield on their head, and they would stand like this. And then after all the arrows were stopped, they would beat their chest because the shield had protected them. And is it just possible that that same shield can protect you? Is it just, just possible that that same shield is protecting me today and has protected me that allows me to do what God's called me to do? Come on, because God was helping me to extinguish a dart of faith, a, a, dart, a, a, a dart of the evil one. In all circumstances means at all times carry this shield in front of you. In all circumstances, whenever you're facing evil, faith is your trust in God. It is your trust in his word. There's something about faith rising up. The devil also lied to me and told me, you won't be able to do your son's wedding. So for 90 days, I get to think about the fact that I am physically incapable. I do not feel I can do this. And for a while, I succumbed to it. But then one day, I began to record the scripture, I picked up my shield and Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things who him who gives me strength. So in the natural, I may not physically be able to do it. I may not feel I can do it, but if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, come on. And that arrow hits the word of God. It hits and it's activated by faith. I'm a living testimony to tell you, you can do what God calls you to do. And we had a great wedding. Now, verse 17 this helmet, again, it's made out of leather. It may have some metal in it, but it's designed to protect your head. Your head is where your brain is. It's where your thoughts are. It's where you take your brain out, you're dead. So you can imagine their helmets, if someone tried to do a sword like that, that helmet would, would hit against that uh, and it would protect them. So the idea of salvation, it has to do with to be saved, to be delivered from evil, to be protected from evil. And I suggest to you this helmet of salvation guards us on two fronts. One is, is it helps us believe that God will save us, that God will deliver us from the evil attacks. I mean, no, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and you're getting tossed into the fiery furnace, come on, you need to be saved. If you're Daniel going down into the lion's den, you need to be saved. You need to be delivered. Well, it is the delivering God. If you're Peter lying between two soldiers in Acts chapter 12 and they killed your brother yesterday and they're going to kill you today, how many know you need salvation on your head so you can sleep at night so the next day, come on, the angels tap him up and they get him out of the prison? How many know that same God is a saving and a delivering God today? That same God can deliver you from drugs. That same God can deliver you from whatever your struggles may be in life. But it's also salvation that is an ultimate salvation. It is also the salvation of our soul when we fear death and fear the future. I need to go quickly. 
He also said to take up the sword of the Spirit. We're talking about the Bible now. We're talking about the Word of God. We're talking about a, 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 a genuine prophecy somebody gives to you. We're talking about a dream that came from God, a vision. Now, the sword of the Spirit is the primary offensive weapon. Some would say it's the only weapon. I see prayer as the weapon as well. But this sword of the Spirit, what it does, uh, and this is a great little translation here of, of, of this verse, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, can also be translated, it is the message that comes from God. It'll be like a sword which the Spirit gives you. It's a message that comes from God that'll be like a sword which the Spirit gives you. It is a quickened rhema. And the God who told me that he will soon crush Satan underneath my feet. I got out of bed one morning when I was struggling, and I wasn't even thinking about anything yet, but all of a sudden this scripture came in my mind, and the scripture said the God of peace from the book of Romans will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And it gave me something to hold on to. It gave me something to fight back with. See, the Bible tells us the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Let's wrap it up. Verse 18 says we are to pray when we feel like it. We're to pray on Sundays. No, pray at all times. Again, we're talking about when you're under attack, when the battle is there. You're to pray continually. Pray constantly in the Spirit. Pray as the Spirit prompts you to. The word perseverance means never stop praying. Now, can I tell you this? I found a period of time where I found it real hard to pray on my own. I found like my prayers would get about this far and then they'd fall on the ground. But I want to tell you what, I got a praying wife that was standing beside me. I got a praying wife that put her hand on my head. I got a praying wife that would take me in her arms at my weak time. And the Bible says, listen, the Bible says when one is attacked, he falls and pity that man. But if two are together, come on, they can lift one another up. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The scripture says when two of you agree about anything, it'll be done for them. So we're to keep on praying. But how many know sometimes we need a godly spirit-filled person in our life? Listen. I don't know who you go to when you're in trouble, but I'm telling you, friends, I know who I go to. I want to go through strong Christians. I want to go through somebody that's anointed. I want to go through somebody that's got faith, that believes God, come on, that God's going to help me, that my today is better than my yesterday and my tomorrow is going to be better than my today. Come on, that's the way that, 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 that I want to pray. Well, listen, let me wrap up this morning. Um, we can fight Satan's attacks, as the Bible says, with our armor and the weapons that God gives us. Remember where we started Ephesians 6.10? It says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's like a strong in the Lord. This is where God's strength comes from. You can put on the whole armor of God, and then you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Punch your neighbor and say he's talking to you this morning. Not too hard. You can stand against the schemes of the devil. Let me summarize again as I said. Our armor that protects us is what? It's truth, it's righteousness, and it's salvation. I, the mission of my own is expanding the kingdom, and I'll one day walk out of my troubles if I keep following God. What activates the power of God in my life is faith. And I fight back with the Word of God and prayer. Because prayer is not telling God something he doesn't know. It's not reminding him what he's forgotten. But it's expressing our dependence on him. And it's in humility, come on, that the door of his strength is made available to us. Give him a big hand today because he's worthy of all our praise. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning?
And let's take just a minute and let's just ask God to give us his power, the power of a warrior. You just close your eyes, and the reason we do that is just so we can shut the distractions out and just slip your hands to heaven and say, God, I need that spiritual power in my life. I need that spiritual power in my life. Come on, reach out to God. Just tell him right now. Just receive from the Lord today the might of his power. He whispers in my ear and tells me that I'm fearless. Thank you, God. And he shares a melody, tells me to repeat it. And he makes me whole. Thank you, God. It reminds my soul I am more. opportunity for personal prayer for you. One thing I know is after we spend an hour together in worship and prayer and the Word of God, sometimes it's like God just peeled layers off of our life. It could be layers of deception. It could be layers of lies. It could be pride, whatever it is. But God kind of gets us into a place where we can receive from Him. And maybe you need prayer for something this morning. Maybe there's something in this message that, yeah, we'll be right with you. Maybe there's something in this message that has really touched you. Maybe you're under spiritual attack and you need strength. Maybe you have fallen down. You need to pray that somebody will, you know, that God will help you find faith. Maybe something in this message really resonated with you and, and you want to tap into the power of prayer. We're going to pray for you this morning. It could be anything, though, that's on your heart before you go. But most importantly, maybe you're here and you need to get right with God. Now, hear me today. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It'll make you a better person, but it doesn't save you. What saves a person is when they receive Christ as their Savior. I went to church as a kid, but it didn't do that much good. But I came to a place at 19 where I realized that I needed to give my life in Christ's hands. I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to turn and follow Him. Somebody showed me the scripture that says, To as many as received Him, to those He gave the right and the power to become sons and daughters of God, those that believed on His name. There's a defining moment. There's a particular point in time where a person says, Jesus, I need you, and I want you to save me. I want you to wash my sins away and give me a brand new life. And it's at that point we turn to follow Christ. Maybe today is your day. Maybe you've done it in the past and you've gotten away from God, but today is the day to turn back to God. And if that's you, I would imagine there's something inside you that's trying to just glue you to your chair and make you want to run out. Who do you think that is? I think it's the Holy Spirit in me calling you to commit to Christ. And I think it's the enemy wanting to keep you away from Him. But we'll pray about anything. Uh, we're going to sing through one last time and then dismiss. But our prayer team is coming to the altar right now. 
And if you need prayer for any of these things, you just come. If you just feel in your heart, I'm going to pray for somebody. I've got some spiritual issues in my life. I feel like I'm under attack. I feel like the devil just controls me and manipulates me. And whatever it may be, you come let us pray for you. If you're needing to get right with God, there's nothing more important. That's right. Just slip on out of your chair. Just come on up here and let somebody pray with you. I love you very much. Oh, the chains, the chains are broken.